Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. This is your host, Dalton Dismore, and this is The Faith Prospect. Today we are joined by Sister Charlita Cloman. She is a minister and she is an evangelist with the United Pentecostal Church. And she is our prayer coordinator here at Dallas First Church. And I'm so excited to have you here today. Excited to be here. And so, well, we have a limited amount of time because we are right before prayer. Yes. <laughs> Praise God. So we're going to go lightning fast, go real quick. So okay. let's let's go ahead and start. I, I like to start everyone. I just want to ask, what was your first encounter with God? My first encounter was with God was one night at about 3.33 in the morning. I was married for 20 years. I was in a bad marriage. My husband was an alcoholic and abusive emotionally. It was becoming physically and verbally abusive. And, and I kept waking up at 3.33. And I didn't grow up in this apostolic truth. And so I would read the Bible and I would do everything that I knew to do to stay in contact with God. And I prayed, but not like I do now. But I kept waking up at 3.33, 3.33. And after about two weeks of it, I said, something's going on. And there was, he and I had had a challenge. <laughs> and um, the Lord woke me up at 3.33. And I turned over and prayed for about 15 minutes. And after about 15 minutes of prayer, I heard this. I turned over to go to sleep, and I heard this audible voice. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I didn't even know there was a scripture. And so I, I woke up, and I was like, God just spoke to me. And I knew that it was God. And he began to give me instructions on some things that I needed to do. And that was my first most powerful encounter with God. Wow. So now in there, you said that you didn't grow up apostolic. I did not. You said, where, what did you grow up in? I grew up in a Baptist church. We went once a month. Um, when I was married, we went once a month. Mm -hmm. When I was growing up as a child, we went maybe once or twice a year, Easter, Christmas. Uh, but gotcha. I had a praying grandmother. And mm. my mom and my dad loved the Lord. Um, and my daddy grew up teaching Sunday school. And um, and so, yeah, I, I didn't have truth. Okay. And I was searching for truth. I was hungry for truth in a bad marriage. Man. And so I was like, I was praying to the Lord and I was telling the Lord, I said, there's got to be more to it than this, going to church. And the church I was at, the people... Um, they were a little different. Uh, we weren't allowed to praise and worship like we are now. Mm. It was considered evil to praise and worship and dance in the church. Really? So Why? It just had to be, well, they related it to going to the clubs, dancing oh, in church. okay. So, um, and there was something in me that always wanted to just get up and dance and worship God. And I would literally just hold the arms of my chair because I wanted to get up and worship. And I got to a point where the marriage was going downhill and I was, Lord, I, I want to talk to you. And I'd go to church and I wanted to hear what the pastor was preaching. 
and um, and it was hard to understand them sometimes. Some of the things that they were saying, it wasn't coming together, wasn't making sense, couldn't understand him. And um, and one day when I was working, my job, uh, I'm a retired banker, and my job was to work in the community and make sure the banks did everything in the community that they needed to do, especially or particularly the low to moderate income communities. And so I covered North Louisiana, and the Lord allowed me to stay in Monroe, Louisiana, because my family was there. But my job was created for Shreveport, Louisiana. And so right when I filed for divorce, a few weeks, a few months later, after divorce, God, the president in that bank there said, well, we want her here mm. now. So God just, it was just worked out well. And so, um, and so I was working and I received a phone call from a church in Shreveport and they had a nonprofit organization that provided financial literacy and first time home buyer education to low to moderate income individuals. And I taught those things. I would go out in the community and teach those things to help the people and they called and asked me, and then I didn't hear from them for a year. And so right when I divorced, they called me back. And after I divorced, they called me back. And the lady, after we had taught the class on a Friday night, Saturday, one of those days, um, my husband had my youngest son. And when I would go to Shreveport, I would stay with this, my best friend and her family. Her husband, uh, they had a room back off, and I just kind of had a little room to myself. And the young lady asked me, she said, um, what are you doing this weekend? Do you want to come to church with me? And I thought, and I said, well, I'm not doing anything. Sure, I can stay and come to church. And my life has never been the same. I got there to church, and the music was just something. I look back now, it was the anointing that I felt. Yeah. And I was so drawn to it. And, and the little children and people were running. And the lady that invited me, I said, Oh my goodness, look at them. They're, they can run. <laughs> and I loved it. I mean, instantly I loved it. And then they start speaking in tongues. And I grabbed her and I said, why are they talking funny like that? And she said, why, that's the Holy Ghost. And I sit back with my banker's analytical mind and I said, Holy Ghost, how can a ghost be holy? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I man. had no clue of what the Holy Ghost was. I was 44 years old. Mm -hmm. And so we sang, and I'd start thinking about it. I was like, they never mentioned Holy Ghost in my church. They never mentioned speaking in tongues or anything. Like, I didn't know what it was. You were like John's disciples in Acts 19. We didn't even know there was a Holy Ghost. I what you not. talking about? And I was like, wow. And I was so drawn to it. And I was like, I want that. I want that Holy Ghost. Mm. So, um, and then I started going to church. And so when I would go and work in Shreveport the week that my husband had our youngest son, then I would go to that Pentecostal church. And the pastor started teaching just, I call it Pentecost 101. <laughs> and I think <laughs> it was for me. Now I look back, it probably was for me. Yeah. Because I was so thirsty and hungry. And I was sitting there on the front row and he was, and a lady got baptized. And he started ministering before she got baptized about baptism in Jesus' name versus baptism in Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And I was sitting there, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, you need to be rebaptized. Mm. And I was like, 
I asked the lady, I said, does it make a difference if I was baptized in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and he's baptizing her in Jesus' name? And she says, oh, yes, ma'am, it makes a difference. And so I go, I said, I want to be baptized. And so, but I got baptized in Jesus' name. And and I remember them, um, when I came up out of the water, it looked like the whole church had come. <laughs> Just surrounded it was you. surrounded me, and I came out of the water, and I was like, what are they doing? Why are they looking at me like that? I didn't understand. They were excited for me. And so it was beautiful. And then, of course, I was trying to seeking after the Holy Ghost, and I had the wrong understanding. Um, I was seeking after tongues, and the Lord gave me clarity. He says, you're seeking after the wrong thing. Wow. Seek after infilling of my spirit, which the evidence is speaking in tongues. You're seeking after the wrong things. So I began to seek after the infilling of his spirit. And I remember at the altar one time, and I was like, now I've been a manager and I've managed people most of my life. So I've got that type personality. And they were praying for me. And one of them would say, let go. One would say, hold on. One would say, talk loud. One would say, don't talk. And I was like this. So finally, <laughs> I, I said to myself, these people don't know how to pray me through to the Holy Ghost. They don't know how to give me the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I didn't understand. <laughs> then the Lord made, gave me clarity and said, well, they wouldn't give it to you anyway. That That's me filling yeah. you with my spirit. And uh, so I didn't understand. But it I, he took me back to the the way they did that confused me so much mm. and taught me how to pray for people at the altar. And I love praying for people at the altar now. <laughs> I love it, love it, love it. And so I got the Holy Ghost about uh, maybe four or five months of seeking. And I'll never forget, we had a Christmas party and we would dress up in our tuxes and ball gowns and everything and go and have a guest speaker and um, I had didn't know where the hotel was, and I pulled over to this the, to the, another hotel and was asking for this one. And the guy in front of me was the guest speaker asking for the same hotel. And I was like, "Really? Wow!" And and I made a check. I was like, "That's interesting." Mm. So we go to the hotel we're supposed to be at, and sure enough, there he is. And he comes to me and he looked at my pastor and said, is she the one? I guess my pastor had said, <laughs> this lady's been seeking the Holy Ghost for four months. And I had made my mind up. I said, I'm not going back to that altar. Those people can't pray me through to the Holy Ghost. They can't help me knowing that it's me. Mm. You know, uh, I, I had unforgiveness and God dealt with me about that in the marriage. I had unforgiveness. And so, but I didn't realize it then. I figured they were the ones that's going to pray me through to the Holy Ghost. I didn't understand. Yeah. And so uh, I go to the altar and, and, and God tricked me. I said, oh, you got me on this one. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? Instead of doing the regular altar call like they do, the man of God said, is there anyone here wanting to go higher in God? And I went, oh, yeah, I want to go higher in the Lord. And so I go to the altar <laughs> And he pulled this Bible out, Acts 2.38, and he read that to me. He said, um, then Peter said unto them, repent. Have you repented? And I said, yes. So I was kind of like smart at looking, mm -hmm. you know, because I'm like, I've been through this for four months. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> and, and then he said, it says, repent, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so he said, so did you repent? I said, I did. And he said, when I lay my hands on you. 
just start worshiping God. And the minute he laid his hands on me, I started speaking in tongues. Praise God. And the power of God was so heavy on me, I felt like a huge concrete block. Wow. I could not move. They had to carry me to my seat. <laughs> and the rest of the night, I was in tongues, just, just drunk. I've got a picture of it. So those were the exciting days. It was it was a roller coaster ride for me. God started with me. He was like, you're behind. I've got some work to do with you. And it was, it was. <laughs> How long ago was that? That was 2001. Wow. Yeah. This December will be tw my 20th birthday. Man. Praise God. What a, what a great year. I know. Man. Come on. <laughs> so I do have, I have a couple questions. Okay. Um, you were talking and, uh, you talked about, uh, the confusion you felt Yes. when, when people were praying and, you know, I, I do feel like there, there can be that in our movement. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and more so you talked about the confusion of, of you personally mm -hmm. seeking after tongues and, and, and focusing in on that right. instead of just focusing on, on God's spirit. Uh, well, what would you advise to to people who are praying with people on the altar regularly to give clarity and to 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 not confuse somebody? I think there should be one person leading the prayer, mm -hmm. and I think it works easier that way. It did with me, and that's the way I do it, which yeah. may not be right, but <laughs> that's the way I look at it. Mm -hmm. uh, one person stand in front. And they're the lead person praying with that person. Mm. And one person's talking to them. And the other people standing around praying and interceding for the person that's seeking the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And so what I say to them, first of all, is to repent. You know, and 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 I just started leading them. Let's all repent together. Yeah. I said, I repent all day long sometimes. I said, sometimes we don't realize what we've said or done that may have offended someone or offended the Lord. I said, so I, I repent, especially before I start praying. So I say, just start repenting. I said, if you felt that you've wronged someone or if someone has wronged you, then you need to forgive and let it go. Mm. And I found that the number one thing when I'm praying for people, the Lord speaks and he'll say there's unforgiveness. Wow. And uh, so I start ministering what what I hear the Lord saying, lead, being led of the Lord on what um, what the hindrance may be. And so, and typically if they're genuine in their heart with their repentance and, um, and have forgiven and they're filled just like that, like mine, I mean, I was, I had unforgiveness in my heart and I didn't realize that. And God began to minister to me about it. And I started letting things go. How did God help you overcome that unforgiveness from your divorce? Oh, my goodness. That's a long story, which I minister. God began, um, the Lord, my my ex-husband would call my house in Shreveport, and, and it wouldn't go real nice. Yeah. It was very ugly to me. And I was, I'd just been filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name, and and I and after a point, it would start pressing my buttons. And um, and I rebuked him one time. I said, "I rebuke you in Jesus' name." <laughs> I did. <laughs> and he said, "You can rebuke all you want in Jesus' name." And I was like, 
Mm. So I was like, whoa. And so it put a question in my heart. And so I, I got in my prayer closet and I said, Lord, how could that be? I'm the one baptized in your name and filled with the Holy Ghost. How could I say I repent when you said you've given us the power to do this? Yeah. And the Lord spoke very clearly. He said, the hindrance is you have unforgiveness in your heart. Wow. And I was like, but Lord, me? <laughs> he <laughs> said, yes, you. And I went, but Lord, he, 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 mm. all these things that he did. Yeah. And the Lord said, yeah, but let's talk about you. You had your issues. You had you weren't um, you weren't forgiving. You were holding bitterness. And I said, "Okay, Lord." And I said, "But I want to get past this, and I don't want it to happen anymore. Help me to get past, to get out of this unforgiveness. Get it out of my heart." And the Lord said, "Are you going to do what I tell you to do?" And I said, "Well, I was like Ezekiel. I was like, Thou knowest. <laughs> I would think that I would, Lord. Yes, but yes, Lord, I will." He said, "Well." Um, you've repented to me. I've forgiven you. Um, call him. Call him tomorrow on his job. Tell him that you repented to me and I've forgiven you and that I said for you to call him and ask him to forgive you for everything that you did in a marriage that hurt or wounded him in any way. And I was like, mm? I swallowed. Wow. <laughs> I was like, okay, Lord, I want to do this. I remember thinking when I got out, when, I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to have to take the day off work because I don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're clearing your whole day. You're like, oh, I man. took the day off. I said, yes, Lord, I will. He said, now, before you get on that call, he's going to say this. When you say this to him, he's going to say, mm-hmm. He said, but, which is something he would say all the time. See, God knows everything. Mm -hmm. And he said, but when he says that, I want you to make him say the words because you need to hear them. And I said, okay. So the next morning I get up, I called, I think it was like eight something on this job. And I said, hey, I want to talk to you a minute. I've been praying to the Lord and uh, I've repented to God. He said, I had unforgiveness in my heart and I, I repented to God. And, and, and he said for me to call you and ask you to forgive me for any and everything that I did in a marriage that may have wounded or hurt you in any way. And I have, and I've forgiven you. And so I'm asking you um, to forgive me. And he said, mm-hmm, just like the Lord said he would say. Mm. But I knew what to say because God had told me. And he and I said, no, I want to hear what you're, I want to hear you say the words. And he said, yes, 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 I forgive you. I said, and I forgive you, and I love you in Jesus' name. And, and he said, okay, and he got off the phone. Well, when I got off the phone, I tried to run through my house because the glory of God dropped in my home. And I was like I was in slow motion. I was trying to run. And I looked down at my feet, and I couldn't see them because that was white, looked like a cloud. Mm all around my feet. And I looked at the walls and I looked at the ceiling and there was just this white cloud, which I know now is the glory of God. And I was trying to run and the Lord began to speak to my spirit. He said, the reason why you feel like you're floating, what? he said, um, 
is because the unforgiveness, the burden of unforgiveness is so heavy. And it had you so weighed down. And now that you've loosed it, your spirit is so light. And it has set you free. And it was a powerful time. I, I can't tell you where the rest of that day went. It was just me and the Lord. He did a spiritual surgery on my heart. And he taught me how to forgive. And even now, if I feel the slightest tinge of offense or unforgiveness, I go to my closet and I'm like, Lord, help me to let this go. You saw what happened. You saw this. You saw whatever. Help me to let it go because I don't want it to hinder my prayers. And I've known times, even after all of this, when I was holding an offense or unforgiveness, and my prayers would literally hit the ceiling, boop, fall right back in my lap. And you could feel it. And you could feel that block. And I'm like, what is it? What have I done? And the Lord said, you're offended by such and such. Mm. And so I'd say, God, help me. So that's, that's, that's what the Lord did with me about forgiveness. I know you... Um my next question, you kind of, there's some things that you answered in it through your story, but for someone who is dealing with unforgiveness that may be listening, mm -hmm. um, what are some practical, practical steps that they can take to begin to deal with that and to give it to God? One of the main things that the Lord taught me to do was to start praying for that person. And the first prayers for him was, Lord, help him. And after I continued to do it, it went from Lord help him to Lord have mercy on him. And the more I continued to do it, Lord, you know what he battles with. Set him free. Save his soul. So I would say start praying. And the more you pray for them, the more compassion and love you'll feel in your heart toward them. And the more effective your prayers will be. Man, that's good. Mm. Man, that's good. <laughs> So you're in the church now, you know, mm -hmm. at this point, uh, you've, you've, for the, you know, you've dealt with your, your biggest battle at that point. Where do you go from there? You know, you're, you what brings you to Dallas? Like, how'd you get here? Well, I was in, uh, born and raised in Natchez, Mississippi and married, was in Louisiana, divorced, moved to Shreveport, went to that church, was baptized in Jesus name, filled with the Holy Ghost was there for five years. And the Lord began to minister to me that he was getting ready to take my mom and dad. <clears throat> and he laid me off my job. And I say he did it because the company paid my salary and my insurance for a solid year. Wow. And I went home and the Lord said to me, see, I made them pay your salary and pay your insurance and I'm calling you home to a season of prayer for the church that I was at. Mm. I saw angels in my closet. It was absolutely amazing. I didn't want to go back to work. And so when that year was up, I thought that God was going to put me back in a bank there in Streetport. But then he gave me a couple of dreams of being in Mississippi. And then he told me, I'm calling you back to Mississippi because I'm getting ready to take your mom and dad. And my mom and dad, when I found that I could baptize and got the understanding of baptizing in Jesus' name, my mom and dad were the first two people I baptized in Jesus' name. Wow. It was during Hurricane Gustav. 
Um, when I got that revelation at my church in, in Mississippi, I got up the next day, took some days off. I went to baptize my mom and daddy. In Jesus' name, daddy was 85 and she was like 77, I think. I know 60, almost 70. Anyway. That's emergency. Oh, yeah. So Hurricane Gustav was going on. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I-55 North was bumper-to-bumper traffic. Mm. I-55 South, I was the only one on the interstate. <laughs> but my attitude was like, Esther, if I perish, I perish. I'm going to baptize my mom and dad in Jesus' name. And I'd already been talking and witnessing to my neighbor, their neighbor. And they are all about the same age. And she said she had, was already filled with the Holy Ghost, but had been baptized and had not been baptized in Jesus' name. And she wasn't receiving it. So when I was getting ready to baptize daddy, I did my daddy first. And then my mom, and she had a smile from ear to ear. They were just so, they were just so happy. And I went to my neighbor and said, I'm getting ready to baptize my mom and dad. And uh, she, I said, why don't you come and let me baptize you in Jesus' name? I said, that's the word of God. You've been baptized in Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, I said. But you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. And so I went over with her again. She said, okay. <laughs> so I baptized Mom and Daddy. And my neighbor, as she walked back to their bedroom to get in their tub, the closest she got, she was trembling. The power of God fell on her so heavily. And when I baptized her, she came out of the water. She was so drunk in the spirit. I had to walk her home. <laughs> wow. She couldn't stand up. She came from the back, and Mama looked at her and said, what's wrong with her? I said, it's the Holy Ghost, Mama. She's okay. <laughs> she had her head back. She was just oh, in, in tongues. So um, anyway. So, man, so you went and baptized both your parents. I baptized my mom and my dad, in Jesus' name, the first two people that I've ever baptized. Man. My dad and my mom. So you get to Mississippi and yeah. Um, now, how how did you get to Dallas First Church? Well, after the Lord took my parents, um, well, when He moved me to Mississippi, He says, "I'm moving you because I'm getting ready to take your parents," and mm. He was sending me to minister and and talk to them about forgiveness, and um, and I did that. Um, Minister to them all that I understood and knew to minister. And of course, when he, after he took my mom in 20, uh, 2018, I, um, he spoke to me then. And I told my pastor then that that's why God had moved me there. I was there for 12 years. And then when he took them, he started to remind me that I sent, it was for a season. So I went to my pastor and I said that. And he remembered when I told him that. I said, you remember when? He went, yeah, I do. I said, well, God is saying that he's released me to go be with my family in Texas. Mm. My oldest son is here. And my son, I, I, um, he, he and his fiance has visited Dallas First Church. And I came with them. And they loved it. They absolutely loved it. Said they felt so welcomed and so at home. And so when I got here, of course, I liked it too. And I felt like the Lord said, this is where he wanted me to come. And so that's where I came. And of course, Bishop has confirmed it. And I love it. This is my family. Now, I remember last year during COVID, we had a cool moment 
well, I let's say I got to experience, got to be in on a God moment with you and see whenever uh, VB, virtual VBS was happening. And I don't think you hadn't said anything to your, to your son at all, but you'd been praying that he signed up his kid. Oh, yes, sure did. And sure enough, you, you, you just mentioned it to me in passing and you said, you told me the name and I said, he did sign up. And you were like, oh, praise God. I remember. Because you'd remember. been praying and he, he they hadn't been. Oh, that, we don't even know how they found out. Yes. But he signed up. He saw it from watching the online service. Come on now. And he saw when you're, you were advertising because you did the commercials. Oh, uh, yeah, you? I did. I did. And I, I was telling him, I said, he is so cool. I said, I love the way he, he, he is with the kids. And he said, yeah, I like him too, Mom. And so... I have, I have fun because I am a kid. So <laughs> <laughs> the Lord just gave me a job where I didn't have to grow up. It's great. <laughs> I understand. Oh man, but oh, I'm so excited this year. We're actually going to be able to have VBS in person. So oh, man. I'm excited to start praying again so they can bring my baby. Mm, everyone, he he's COVID cool, just kept them away, but yeah, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Texas is opened up. Yes, it's going to come. He's going to come. I Amen. I agree. I believe it. <laughs> and so um, in your walk with God and in, in, your, in your ministry, what what would you say is is the most powerful thing you've seen God do? Oh, wow. And if you've already talked about it, then what's something else? I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2011. Mm. And... I had prayed for people who had had cancer and tumors disappeared. One lady in particular had a, a tumor in her brain that had tentacles the size of an orange. And when I moved to Shreveport, her daughter was my administrative assistant. And when I moved, we lost contact with one another and didn't talk for about a year. And when I got there in Shreveport, um, about eight people I had prayed for, I hadn't talked to, had prayed with cancer, called me that week. About I hadn't talked to them in a year. And about seven or eight of them called to say, remember when you prayed for me? Well, I wanted to let you know. I didn't let you know that God healed me. Wow. And I was like, well, thank you for letting me know. Where after about the third or fourth one, I was like, okay, you let me know something here. She was one of them. And she called me, and we were talking, and and, I, and the Lord said, ask her about her mom. And I said her name, and I said, how's your, how's your mom doing? Because the doctors had sent her home to get her house in order. They had doctors coming from across the world because it was so big and had so many tentacles in it going through her brain. Mm. She was like one week uh, I think she was about 55, teaching Sunday school, doing retired, loving life. And then she started getting in, um, incapacitated. Yeah. And so um, so anyway, she said, I asked, the Lord said, ask about her mom. And so I asked about her mom. And she says, oh, Charlita, I'm so sorry. I forgot to tell you. And I went, oh, Lord. <laughs> I hope, you know, I'm like, oh, God, I hope she didn't die. She said. When my mom went back for that checkup, that tumor was gone. And the doctors didn't even know what to do with her. I said, well, did you tell her that the Lord healed her 
And she said, yes. She said, we did tell her that the Lord healed mom. So they pulled out the x-rays with the tumor and the x-rays where it completely disappeared, all the tentacles and everything. And so I was like, Lord, what is up? I was really surprised. Well, I wasn't surprised because up to leading months, I'd look at the, the obituary, I'd look at stuff, and, and cancer just seemed to jump out at me for some reason. And so then it came to my mind. So, uh, um, so I go, and they told me I had the worst cancer that you could have. And wow. um, it was a triple negative and a HER2 positive. And I said, a triple negative doesn't sound good. Well, it wasn't. Mm. And uh, I was, went to see my surgeon, and he said, yeah, you've got cancer, and yeah, it's this, and and yeah, you're going to need chemo and surgery. And I said, well, I'm just going to pray and ask God for a miracle. He's going to do it. He laughed. <laughs> you better pray hard. I've never seen this guy die. And I looked and I said, are you the reason why I'm here? <laughs> That's what I remember thinking to myself. And I said, well, when he does uh, kill it, I said, I'm going to pray and ask God for a miracle. He's going to kill it, was my words. And I said, so when he does kill it, uh, are you going to go to church with me? He said, sure, yeah, sure. Well, I go through six, um, three rounds of chemo, have a double mastectomy. And he comes in um, right leading up to starting the, um, the chemo, and the cancer was still there. And so he comes in after the 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 surgery and everything. The week later, I had staples from one armpit to the next. Mm. And uh, my son was with me, and we were going for my week after the mastectomy checkup. And he comes in, and he goes, you are so lucky. And I said, wait, luck doesn't have anything to do with this. I told you this is a God thing. He said, the chemo killed the cancer. I said, no, 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 you told me. You've never seen this kind die. And I told you that God was going to kill it. And that's what he did. Wow. So I was sitting there. He was in my face talking. We don't even know what to do with you. We don't know what statistic to put you in. We don't know what category. I said, <laughs> try category J for Jesus and to statistic M for miracle. <laughs> I said, I told you God was going to kill it and God did. So that was just an amazing thing. And it was an amazing journey. I remember waking up one night at two in the morning and there was a bird. I, I'd had a rough day. And I was saying to the Lord, I was like, Lord, I said, um, I, I'm tired. And the chemo would, was really bad. I had the oldest, harshest chemo you can have. They called it Red Devil. And I remember telling that nurse, you're not going to put anything in my body called Red Devil. I said, it's red like the blood of Jesus. I said, and when you put it in, it's the blood of Jesus. And it's going to kill everything that's not of God. And she was sitting there and she was quiet and she was putting the needle in my arm and everything. And she finally looked up and said, they need to let you preach at that church because you just preached to me. I've got chill bumps all up my back. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, somebody. And so later on, she told me that she used that and she told the other nurses and the other nurses would tell people to say that instead of calling it the red devil. Yeah. Ain't God awesome how he does stuff. Yes, he is. And this was years later. I'm going back for my annual exam, and, and they tell me this. Man. And I was like, wow, thank you, Lord. <laughs> thank you, Lord. So, so yeah, God God killed it. Um, I remember one night, woke, um, I couldn't sleep. And anytime I would get in that mood, the Lord would just cause a sleep to come on me, and I'd go to bed and sleep and 
wake up feeling real good the next day. And so I woke up about two and there was a bird on my windowsill singing every song in the bird song book that he could sing. Two o'clock in the morning. That's weird. And I was like, and so he sang till morning, till daybreak. And it happened for two weeks. Mm. And I knew that God had sent that bird to me. And the Lord spoke to my spirit and said, see, I control all things. And I sent this bird to sing to you love songs for me. And it blessed me so much. <laughs> it blessed wow. me. And he did several little things like that throughout throughout the, that journey with the breast cancer. And so um, my doctor and the oncologist and my, my doctor said it, it's, it was nothing short of a miracle. Nothing short of a miracle. Even the surgeon that said, you better pray hard. I've never seen this kind die. Yeah. Was in awe. <laughs> That's yeah. our God. Now we're getting close to time where we got to gotta say goodbye. Yeah. But uh, last question. Okay. And going through something like that and what I imagine a lot of more of the trials, what, when you, when you begin to doubt or, you know, just question question things. How'd you keep your faith? I, when I came into this truth, I had a childlike faith. Mm. And if I read it in the Bible, God said it, I believed it. And I was like a bulldog who hadn't eaten in a month and somebody threw him a steak and you couldn't pull it from him. Yeah. I was like that with this truth. And if God said it, I stood on it and I believed it. And I told the Lord, um, and I even told, I said to the enemy, I said, you know, any way that this go, I've got to victory. Because to be, to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. Wow. That's where any saint of God would want to be. Yeah. I said, if he leave me here, I'm not going to be afraid to pray against the spirit of cancer. Can you pray for us before we go? Oh, yes. Most heavenly and gracious Father, how we love you, how we bless your holy name. We come today thanking you for all that you've done, Lord God. I thank you that everything that you've spoken through me in this, Lord God, will help someone, help someone to forgive, teach someone to forgive and to let it go quickly, Lord God. And even if sickness come upon a person, teach them that you control all things, God. Use this word for your glory, my God. And it's in that name that is above every name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today, Sister Charlita. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it. We're going to have to do it again. Yeah. We'll see you.